Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. everyone uh you are tuned into the three questions with andy richter and it's not just andy richter it's busy phillips she's here with me hi (laughs) how are you i'm I'm good i see you're in your closet we were talking about a minute ago yeah yeah i I like it i I love it i think it's great i am behind i'm in front of a boring venetian blind shutters uh, back yeah just some oh right plantation shutters i guess they're called I don't. Plan- do we still call them that? Yeah, it does seem like to have a, a connotation, but, but I don't what- want to have that connotation. Let's just call them. <laughs> let's let's call just call them, them white shutters. Tropical shutters. Tropical shutters. Yeah, yeah, they're tropical because they I are like kind of tropical. Yeah, I, that's what I had in my bedroom growing up. Are those exact shutters in oh, Arizona? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has actually. It's a little strange for me to look at them right now. I'm not even kidding. Like, it's like it very, reminds you of your yeah. bedroom. Yeah, yeah. It's very evocative. It was like yeah. the thing that came with the house, I guess, were those shutters. Yeah. And uh and houses in Arizona all had those shutters. Yes. Now you're you're from Arizona. Correct. Well, you're I was born desert. in yeah, I was born in Chicago, outside oh, of Chicago. Okay. And then oh, right. I, was, I knew that. And you had yeah. and you have a bunch of family there still. Yeah. Yeah. And then we moved to um Arizona for my dad's job when I was going into first grade, so. What job was that? What what is what did he's he do? He's a nuclear engineer. Oh, he's retired wow. now. Yeah, yeah. Was he he's, working at like a nuclear power plant, or was yeah he making, power plant? Oh wow, mm-hmm. cool. He did like safety something. I don't know. I always thought he was in the CIA, kind of like yeah. I didn't understand. And he, so he worked in Arizona for years. He was a consultant, and he worked, and he got, he got, you know. Stationed? No, not stationed. Transferred to Arizona, to the to the power plant there. And then there were several years, like in my late late preteens, early teens, I guess, that he had to take jobs in other cities. And so he was like a he commuted. So he lived in like Salt Lake City and came back on the weekends. He lived in I feel like he lived in Kansas at one point. He lived in Michigan. He lived in Florida and he lived in Singapore, I think. Wow. And then he didn't come home every weekend when he lived in Singapore. <laughs> was that was that hard to have him kind of absent or was it, was, it okay? I think it was fine. I mean, I think it was fine. My sister is already out of the house. She's older than me. And it, so it was just like me and my mom. And I had a lot of freedom, which maybe wasn't the best thing. And I do think that like reentry was always difficult because I was a surly bitchy teenager and like my dad would be gone the week for the whole week and then he would come back like on a Friday and be like well wait where is she going Barbara what time is she, what time are you going to be home and I'm like yeah, you don't yeah. you can't tell me what to do 
yeah. not here. Yeah. Um, and I think he was like tired, you know, like he was really grumpy because he was tired because he was like yeah. working so hard. It's like one of those things I was saying to a friend of mine who's uh, I don't have that many <laughs> friends in their 20s. <laughs> but I do have a couple. And it would like, be weird if you did. I agree, well, I mean, but there are know. people that like make it, you know, they like hang out with people that are way younger than them. They're I mean, vampires is what they that's are. That's true. They're bloodsuckers. That's true. That's actually yeah. very true, I think. Um, yeah. But the girl that lives in my guest house, she's more like my little sister kind of, you know, uh-huh. and she's 25. You're, and Kate, I was like, you're Kato Kalen. She's my, she is, well, sort of. I mean, she's, I think it's better than that. But. I know, but I mean, it's just, it, <laughs> you should really, you should Sam get her Pancake to start doing that. Sam Pancake was my Kato Kalen. You know, you know Sam Pancake, Oh, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he lived in my guest house for like nine years. Oh, wow. And yeah, that is he, your Kato Kalen. He was my yeah. Kato Kalen. We also, we were going to like sell a television show based on uh, our relationship of him living in our guest house. Because it was like, uh-huh. for a few years, it was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, and then he calmed down. But so the girl that lives <laughs> in my guest house now is a singer, songwriter, and she's 25. And I was saying, I really feel like in your 20s in therapy, it's like all about how your parents like fucked you up. And then you're starting in your late 20s and then your early 30s. It's all about you coming to the understanding that they were doing the best they could with what they had. Yeah. And then like you come to this understanding at the older you get about just how you know, how we all are trying our hardest and, yeah. and they all, you know, and, and parents have their own limitations and their own things that they're dealing with. And like, it never occurred to me like, oh wait, maybe, maybe this is exhausting for my father. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the easier thing would have been to uproot me and like move us all to Salt Lake city for two years, move us all, you know, but instead of uprooting our lives, he like m- let us stay in one place. And he sacrificed by like, flying back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And maybe he was like, not the chillest dude because he was just fucking tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it's like, it is, it's easy to be a crabby dad. It's really easy to be like, you know, dad, like the grumpy dad is, a, is an archetype for a reason. Cause you fall, you know, it's the same way. Like, you know, the naggy mom, mom, yeah. The naggy mom that's always on you to keep the house clean. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I get, you know, I can be a naggy mom and a grumpy dad, you know? I'm, now, yeah. I'm definitely both I'm, at you know, this point. Yeah. I'm all of it. And I try not to be a grumpy dad and I, and I actually get, and it's one of the nicest things that my daughter does to me is she will say to me like, like, you're not as bad as you used to be. <laughs> like, and I'm like, all right. Okay. That's good. Because that's, you know, like when you say, you cut your parents some slack because they were doing the best that they could. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, you do go through that. But then you kind of, because I'm older than you, you get through that too. And you're kind of like, yeah, but they didn't really like fight that hard. You know? <laughs> Ultimately, like they kind of gave up. They're like, well, I got all these like, like, yeah, there's all this stuff that life has forced on me and it's created these personality traits and these kind of you know, problematic ways of dealing with things and ah, fuck it. That's how I am. You know, like the crust is formed and I can't change. I'm so interested in like generational things. Like, I think that that's very of our parents generation, because even though you are a bit older than I am, Andy, I think our parents are like probably around the same generation Mm -hmm. Um, because my parents are were born in 43. 
Yeah, that's my mom was 40 and my dad, I think, was 37. So, yeah, yeah. close enough. Like yeah. really close. Yeah. That's really close. So they're like boomers, but like almost your mom's like a, a late boomer, right? When does baby boomers end? No, I think she's a she's an early boomer because she was bef- a, she was born before oh, the war. Yeah, before. Oh wait, wait, that's right. My parents too. Yeah, yeah. Wait, that's right. That was that's what I was trying to so say. Like, like my parents aren't the... technically boomers, I guess, but they kind of fall into but they it. Are. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. But they are. They totally yeah. are. Um, nineteen forty-three. Yeah, to nineteen sixty. So your parents are like a little bit older than technically baby boomers and my parents are a little bit older they're like the very oldest of the boomers yeah yeah but it's also fascinating and then like gen x and all of our fucking yeah i love i luckily because i saw somewhere that boomers end at 64 and i was born in 66 i'm like whoo i get to be gen x you know (laughs) like apparently that makes me gen x yeah wow yeah Yeah, so you're like the oldest gen x and i'm technically like the youngest gen x oh really because i was born in 79 okay yeah and it's over an 80 yeah yeah right or 80 yeah i think so i think that's you know whatever it all you know what there's like at a certain point it all becomes very silly to like that, you know, a sign of like, oh, millennials are fighting with Generation Z. And half the time, I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about. But I think that those things actually, I think like it's really interesting when you look at it, because I think that your the time in which you were raised and the cultural influences and the things that are happening in the world have a huge impact on what you how you react to the world and and what you become. And I think that like. It is specific. It's like birth order, too, is such a thing that like once you start looking at it, you're like, oh, all oldest kids are like this. Oh, wait, all the youngest kids are like this. Yeah, that's weird, you know, and I I don't know. There's just something to me that's really comforting in looking to things that give some context to behaviors of. An entire people. Well, I also I think, too, that we're we're wired to look for patterns. Right. So it, because it's comforting to us. It comforting. Like, it's like it makes yeah. it seem like there's there's a rhyme or reason to this chaos. Yeah. So, you know, it is kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, because you can look at it and go. You know, there is a similarity between all the first kids that I know and all the middle kids that I know. Totally. But, you can, but then you also can do like. There's a co- there's a commonality between all Sagittariuses that I know. You know what I mean? Right. It can go over to things that then you're like, wait a minute. Depending on the month and day I was born, it it forms my opinion. Well, um, there, is it just you and your sister and your family then? Mm-hmm. So you're the baby, mm-hmm. the one that gets to act out and doesn't mm-hmm. really fear consequences ever. Yeah, pushes the, all the envelopes. Was was that you? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely like was an envelope pusher. And it Um, it was it tough on your mom. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We have we had like a very complicated relationship. I wrote a lot about it in my book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Much to my my parents loved that part, um, as did my sister. Did they really or no? No, they like legit almost I had to change a whole bunch of stuff and I they were like basically didn't want to talk to me. (laughs) It was terrible. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But I gave it to them. Like I am close with them and I gave it to that. I gave the, the chapters to them before it was finalized and before it was like out. Like I know people that don't 
let their families or anybody read it until it's like, well, this is what it is. Here yeah. you go. Yeah. And I just wanted to do a different thing because I was I was nervous. And so I I let them read it ahead of time when I was in the editing process still and doing my line edits. And and so I took I took some notes of theirs and then I explained to them why I was keeping other things in. It was really it was a little tricky. And yeah. then my mom and my mom like had a really hard time and didn't want to read the book. Didn't want to read it. Did just refu- like I told her about some some of the things that I wrote about and she just was like I don't think I can handle it. I don't want to read it. And I was like, "Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's an cool to center this about yourself, but like um <laughs> but uh you know, I would appreciate it if you read it. And then my dad read it first and then she like texted me, your dad read the book and he, he, he really enjoyed it. And I was like, okay. And then she still hadn't read it. And then I just got this text from her like two months later. That was like, I read your book. It's a very good book. And that was it. And I put that as a quote on the back cover of the book. (laughs) (laughs) I read your book. It's a very good book. Yeah. It's, you know, I do think like, cause, well, Sarah, my ex-wife is, she, she wrote a memoir and I, right. so I kind of witnessed her going through a very similar sort of situation. And she often would encourage me, like, you should write something like that. You've had so much happen to you. You should. Yeah. And I just don't want to have that issue. I don't want to, like, I just, I'm too. I, I just, I don't want to, I like, I don't want to have that discussion with my mother or yeah. my father, you know, yeah. I just, and, and I, and there's part of me that kind of understands it because, you know, a, I, I'm having done this for a living, this stuff mm-hmm. for a living, you get used to reading shit about yourself that you don't like, right you know, like. And they don't have any experience with that. You know what I mean? Like nobody in my family has read reviews about how, you know, untalented they are. Like, you know, or. Oh, that's honestly such a good point. Yeah. It was also like kind of my sister's point to me. And she was like, you chose this. I didn't. Yes. And like, and I don't, I didn't, I don't want this. Like, I don't want this. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, I was like, okay, point taken. However, still. Yeah. yeah however, I got I to gotta book the right. Yeah. I signed the contract. I got to write the book. Yeah. I just feel like, yeah. I mean, and I did, I did do work to try to make it a little bit better for them, which I think I did. Yeah. And it, you know, and it was a bummer in a lot of ways to me, but whatever. It's fine. Yeah. But the book was really well that. received. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I was glad I... I was glad I did it. I might write another one at some point. I just don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. You should yeah. write a book though, Andy. You could write it and then just hold on to it for a while. You mean until everybody dies? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what you mean. So that yeah, yeah. I do. I mean, you know, we d- I do think that if my grandmother had still been alive, it pro- I probably wouldn't have been able yeah. to put the book into the world the way that yeah, I yeah. did the, the way that I did, you know? But I knew that my mom and I have to say, honestly, so so, yeah, so my mom had a really hard time with it. And I know that she was really nervous about some of the stuff that I that I talk about in the book. 
in terms of like people she knows like in the world you know and it, you know because it's sort of like i deal with some like trauma and some tough things and mm-hmm. abortion my abortion and all this stuff i will say though she and my dad were in chicago when i was doing my i did a very truncated book tour and they were in chicago when i was doing my book tour visiting their family and friends and so they came to the they came to the auditorium it was like 700 people or something you know and a, and a big q a thing and the woman who was interviewing me started and I started to answer. And my mom from the front row was like, well, that's not how it happened. <laughs> and then she basically like got up and like took the mic. And I was I was like horrified, but also like this is my fucking life. And it's been my life my entire yeah, yeah, life yeah, is this yeah. exact moment right, that my right. mother is demonstrating in this crowd of 700 people so 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 i sort of was like well this is it like this is like the perfect thing here you go here you go mom and take the stage and she did and like i have to say i felt like and it was really fun it was actually really fun like it was weird and fun and i was like you can sit down now what okay and then she'd get back up and then you know i can only i can only imagine how fantastic that was for the audience well i think people really enjoyed it but i think what ended up happening was that she really came to an understanding about like the catharsis of being able for both sides, like the catharsis of being able to like share on a bigger level than you ever have before a, and then B, you know, at the end of the book tour, the questioning, you know, they opened it up to the audience and there were multiple people, including like some teens older teen people that were just expressing how much my openness online or what, what I, me sharing my life has meant to them. Yeah. And I think she just kind of saw firsthand as opposed to like, just, you know, some comments on Instagram or whatever, like real people who are like, I had a really hard time and I, you know, connected with your Instagram or whatever. And it really changed the way I think she, in that night, like it shifted from her, from the book being something she was sort of dreading and kind of upset about to her seeing it as, as a positive thing. Mm -hmm. When, I mean, do you think that seeking out that catharsis in like, like I have to tell this story and I have to be who I am um, because I think you do it in a way that is very, uh, just conversational like and there's no there's no artifice like you're not really you you are yourself and there's nothing to hide whereas i do think some people do it they serve themselves up for content in a way that is oh, yeah. like that is well that's become a thing since it's not but it's like it's it's not real it's like right. they're serving up their supposedly they're and i'm making air quotes real selves but it's a bullshit real self you know yeah but that's also like that like the that cultivating authenticity idea has really become a thing in the last several years yeah and i think that it's just we're in a really tricky time like in terms of identity and what it means and how you put yourself into the world for public consumption whether you have like 10 followers or 10 million followers and you know i think one thing that I had going in my favor before I took my life to Instagram yeah. was that I had been 
varying degrees of famous for 15 years or something like that. You know, I'd been an actor. Yeah. Like worked in the entertainment space for so long and had been had kind of like seen it all and was and had been in so much therapy and so was really self-aware and like really I'm just a person that is aware of boundaries Mm -hmm. and and I think that what gets missing sometimes in that like attempt for authenticity from people is not fully understanding boundaries or why you're doing a thing like why Mm -hmm. you're sharing a thing or what it means Mm -hmm. for you to be sharing that thing and where you come from in your own even fucking privilege you know what I mean like I'm never I'm never without the awareness of me busy Phillips like a privileged white lady who's lived a pretty you know privileged life yeah yeah not without got some to do a, a lot of cool bumps. stuff and and right good yeah. living and yeah so and you know and and yet i struggle you know <laughs> and yeah. yet we have you know and like and i think that i don't know i so i think that that's all part i think that's all part of it i think that like a lot of times in the desire for connection people sort of like skip over the part where they like do the work to figure out why it is that they need the connection. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think that, yeah, I think that they're not, it's just, it's just, they are, they need. And Mm -hmm. so they, they sort of act in a way that seems to service that need, but it usually, it, for people that are doing it in an unexamined way, I think just creates more need. You yeah. Know? I, I, you and know. confusion. And it's like confused. It's confusing. It's confusing yeah. for everybody. So it's like when you see the like influencer, you know, like, I, I don't know, you know, there was a lot during, I think, early pandemic and, you know, people who were just very unaware of like the fact that like, taking off for the Hamptons in the middle of the pandemic and posting about it online might not be the greatest way to ingratiate yourself to your, all of your fans who are like struggling to figure out if they still have a job. Yeah. Like how are they going to, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's a certain level where people lose sight of what, everyone else is going through yeah and like i i don't know you don't come you don't come from money right no no yeah me neither i mean not you know we we were fine yeah we were fine and 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 lived a good life and like some christmases were better than others but no i had to i had to pay my way through school and i had to i had to work so i had money in my pocket yeah i had a job from when i was like 16 years old yeah um, I worked in restaurants. I babysat. I was a nanny. Like I did all kinds of things. And then, yeah, I was lucky to like get freaks and geeks when I was in college and I left school. But, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I truly, you know, my parents never helped me past the age of 19. Yeah. My parents did pay. They did. You know, they did pay for my school. I paid for my car insurance and like my blah, 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 any yeah, living yeah. expense. Anyway. My point being that I think sometimes, I mean, I am, this is like 
beyond my wildest dreams, like this closet that I'm sitting in and, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Gabe Sachs, who was one of the producers on Freaks and Geeks, had um, he's like one of those people that just t- takes so many photos like he like was like a person with a camera phone before camera phones existed. Like he right. always had a Leica around his neck and a video camera with him. And he documented so much of that time. And he has this hilarious like camcorder video of me and my dirty 92 Honda Civic hatchback, like cleaning it out with water bottles and like, <laughs> you know, like just gross. It was just like gross and seven yeah. 11 coffee cups. And yeah, um, and I was giving him like a tour of my car. And then I was like, you know, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll be driving a BMW. <laughs> Probably not though. Like, just like, I couldn't even imagine it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I think I never lose sight of that thing. And I think that some people do. I think some people, it's easy for them to be like, well, this is my life now. <laughs> like, it's always going to be like this. Right. Right. Yeah. And this is what I deserve. And this is, you know. I'm finally where I should be, you know, that Ugh. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, well, when you when when Instagram started mm-hmm. and you, you know, got on board with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I didn't actually get it at first. Like, I was like, what is this? I don't understand. But what, but then but you did. And I mean, and it's I'm not like, you know, you know, this and articles have been written about like what a unique Instagram presence you were and how you were kind of like. You became everybody's friend, you know, like in that in that you were so just just you were it was it was not there wasn't there didn't seem to be anything other than here's me that, you mm-hmm. know, I like to share. I like to talk to people. Here's me. And were was that just something that you did? Did you know like that? Like, did you did you know, like the good and bad of what you were getting? No, into? no. And I never and I didn't even consider it because I also when I started doing the Instagram stories and I there I I didn't have that many people like that many people weren't following me. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like it wasn't like I had this huge fan base. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> even though I'd been on TV since I was like a kid, it wasn't it just wasn't. That's not. I don't know. That's just not accurate to what my experience was. Like I, right. I, I it was like mostly my, I thought my actual friends. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And some fans that like genuinely liked me from Cougar Town or something, you know, or freaks right. and geeks. And, and I think that I was at just a place in my life that is a relatable place for many, many women where I was just kind of feeling very lonely I was just like lonely in my marriage, lonely as a mom, lonely at work, like feeling kind of unfulfilled in my career, even though I'd had all this success, but it just felt like, what the fuck is it even? And does it, I'm still like struggling to find the next thing. And it still feels like I'm never going to be good enough and I'll never be enough. And like, um, and so sort of turning to, the abyss <laughs> turning to these you know to the faceless uh, abyss like of that you, that you <laughs> consider your your followers the abyss no That's fair. But I, I know mean, but i mean it's hilarious because it i mean it's not an abyss but it is kind of like 
it's this big open void where you know somebody's out there, but it might yeah. as well be the ocean, you know. But you don't but you don't exactly know who. And yeah. and it and you just I don't know, I just was sort of looking for something. I was just looking for something. Yeah. I don't know if it was like necessarily validation. I think it was just to be seen and to be heard and to be seen for who I truly feel like I am as opposed to any sort of thing that has ever been put on me in an article written about me or an interview that I've given or, you know, 10 minutes at a, when you met me at a party. Um, right. You know, I, I just wanted it to be a more holistic, accurate representation of me. Yeah. Well, you've, <laughs> and, always yeah. Been, you've always been very good at that. You've always been very good at presenting an authentic version of yourself and there doesn't and there didn't seem to be any kind of like calculation behind it. It just Yeah, no, I, I didn't it never And I relate to, to that, it. Yeah. You know? Thanks. That's nice. Sure, sure, sure. No, but I'm but I mean, but why do you think that you you know, like because there's so many people I mean, right now, like I'm I'm working online, like trying to get people to do different sort of like sign up as poll workers and stuff. So mm-hmm, I'm like mm-hmm. I'm I'm contacting a lot of people on on Twitter and on Instagram who have big followings and, uh, you know, and trying to get them to, you know, what did they call it? Uh, amplify Post. things, you <laughs> Ampl- know, boost. Yeah. Signal boost. And, yeah. Signal boost. Um, and so, but it, you know, there are some people like that are, but they're like that, that I am, t- I've been talking to and like, you know, I really don't do that where it's like that just to say, Hey, you can be a poll worker or Hey, you can register to vote. And they're just so protective and they're so walled so off. Lame. I mean, it's and so I, lame. And yeah. And I mean, why do you think that, that you, you're not like that? Why do you, and why do you think that you're just so comfortable? Cause that's well, the other thing. People aren't comfortable being themselves. No, I mean, and especially in the entertainment industry, right? Like yeah, this is a yeah. profession that people get into where they get to pretend that they're somebody else for 12 yeah. hours a day. Um, I don't know. I mean, for me, I think it's like a, a bunch of different factors at this point, historically speaking. I think if you're a person who's like not interested in using your sizable platform to help amplify good causes and things, then you're just a fucking narcissistic asshole. <laughs> um, and I also think like, you're wrong. I also just yeah. think you're wrong. Yeah. Um, because I, or, you or know, they just don't give a shit. They just don't really care about the world. You know, well then you're, the, yeah, narcissistic yeah. asshole. Right, right. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, to me, it's crazy. But even like, even if the thought was that it could, it could somehow negatively affect you work wise, I yeah. feel like I'm sort of living proof that, Talking about, I mean, truly one of the most divisive issues that our country deals with, abortion and women's health care. You know, I make so much money partnering with brands, both on Instagram, but like, you know, I do commercials for brands. I have become essentially, I'm a commercial actor at this point, which I love. (laughs) Like, I actually really, I have no problem selling people things if I like the thing, I'm like, yeah. well, that's just what this is. And like for years, commercials have supported artists and like, this is just a direct line. So I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm like happy to do it. And I really have mostly only had great experiences with brands yeah. that I've worked with. 
Well, I always feel anybody, any actor that gets like, that gets weird about that or like, oh, I can't, you know, like not ever. It's like, you're just, you don't think you're in sales? Like, well, that's right. You know, you're in sales, whether you like it or not. And so like, so the sales just happens to be for Wrigley's gum. This, and instead of all the things that you're only selling passively by being on television. You right. Know? Yeah. Anyone, any actor who's doing any kind of like any television where you're, you are a part of selling these things. Yeah. Like that's yeah. just what you're, that's essentially what you're doing um, is you're creating the content that goes in between the ads. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. So for me, it's never been like a moral dilemma of whether or not I wanted to partner with, with advertisers, especially when they started coming directly to me and I was using my Instagram in that way. And it was just a question of like making sure that the brands that I was partnering with were things that I liked or believed in or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? You know, or blood, there's blood diamonds, things like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times they'll throw in like, and a lot of times I'll ask and they'll like throw in a charity component, you know, like, Oh, that's oh great. this kid's brand. Like, well, I will, yeah, I'll do this post. Will you donate, you know, a bunch of your toothbrushes to baby to baby to the organization I work with here. Yeah, sure. We'll donate 1500 toothbrushes. Okay, great. You know, yeah. so it's like, or, or a money, you know, like a, a donation to the charity, whatever. Um, the point being, Oh, after I started really, you know, talked about my abortion openly on my show and it wasn't even a question to me because of what was happening in the country and the um you know these extreme abortion bans that were sort of being pushed through with the hopes of getting these things to the new supreme court and getting chipping away at Roe um and and I and I know I know that there are people that would think well, that's career suicide in terms yeah. of working with, you know, these big brands that I got the old Navy commercial after that. Yeah. I Olay, uh, who I have a skincare deal with, Olay, and I do commercials for them and did the Super Bowl commercial last year. I know. Um, I remember. They told I mean, they legitimately said the brand is is really um is is really supportive of your activism. Uh, for women's reproductive rights and they and they love that you have like taken such a stand and so I guess I feel like it I mean it hasn't slowed down my opportunities in terms of brands at all yeah. so then I'm like so what are these people afraid of like these people that you're contacting do you know yeah. what I mean like are you I afraid think- of alienating like somebody who what believe I believes in white supremacy like believes that women shouldn't I just think that a lot of people just, they, they, (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. And I, you know, cause people will say, cause I, I mean, I've never been shy about being, about speaking out. And to me, it's like to call it politics is weird. It's just like, no, you mean like, you mean like, yeah, no, women's bodies should be their choice. Right. That like, it's like, what, what do I get to say? Why do I get any say in that in that deal? Like, why mm-hmm. am I? Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Gay people should get married. Who gives a shit? Yeah, who that's. Shit? I mean, I mean, who gives a shit? But yeah, you should give a shit. You know, I mean, it's really important. But also, it's like, why would you fight against that? What I don't know. You know, and you know, there's or- actually a really interesting article. I just sent it to someone else. It's like from 2013, a Politico article about, um, like the real origins of the 
um, anti-abortion, oh, like, yeah. evangelical right movement. Yeah. And, like, Jerry Falwell and how he was just, like, essentially trying to, like, get his racist agenda. Yeah. Like, through. racism became unpopular and ugly, so they're like, well, we can now, let, let's switch over to abortion, you know? That's correct. That's, let's like, exactly, literally. Let's get abortion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. But so that they could get, liter- like, their candidates in there and elected who were also, you know, uh, upholding racist agendas. Yeah. Yeah. It's cr- I mean, it really and it, is and it, like. And it also gets down to fundraising. It also gets down to, like, money. Like, you know, anti-black stuff used to be a big money maker for them. And then it started to get like a little too hot that, you know, like too hot. It's it's just too hot for us. So let's go over to abortion and then get people riled up about that. And then that becomes a moneymaker, you know, like like the fucking wall. You know, (laughs) it's like people are giving money to the wall. People are, you know, it's like you just you're being fleeced. You know, you're being. I know. Yeah. I mean, you might as well be giving it to a televangelist because it's. It's, it's well, that's just, essentially what every, the, yeah, these guys yeah, are. Right? It is. It's all yeah. It's all like the same idea of of <sighs> of you know better better than you know better than the people on the other side of the wall. Better than the people who aren't into Jesus. Better than you know. Oh man, we should fix things. You and I. Uh, you know what? Here's what I'm going to say, Andy. Is that we're trying. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying in ways both small and medium yeah and and that it doesn't you can't not one person can do all of the things like we all have to do all of the things that's the other thing that i've had these crazy conversations with people too it's like um well i sort of have my issue that i really focus on i'm like "Mm, okay i see but also you can have many issues that you focus on yeah and you don't just have to have one issue and and like it is weird because I've had conversations with like publicists and people who, you know, help guide famous people's careers or whatever. And I know and I know that that's like a common feeling like, well, she really does so much work with Operation Smile. So she's not going to be able to support women's right to jail. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these things can all exist concurrently. Yeah, That's ridiculous, you know. It's ridiculous because also like just I know and I know as a person who gets asked to do all sorts of things like and I do I get so many asks at this point for so many things and I do know that there is like a certain level of prioritizing that you want to be able to do and like for me you know I I know which things I sort of I'm like well I don't know if we need to to post about the local animal charity today you know what I mean but (laughs) Bless. Yes. I'll make a donation. I'm, How I'm, about that? I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. But, I kind of, you know, I, I, I have a dog. I love my dog, but like I can't get that fired up about. I have a rescue dog. I encourage that, but I can't get too fired up about that one because I do feel like it's hard. There's a lot of people stuff first. There's a lot of people right now, especially yeah, like yeah, yeah. I just like I don't know what America are we living? Yeah, in? like you know and what I God mean. God bless them. Now, let them take care of it, because then I cannot have to worry too much about the animal stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, my best friend is it's like her whole thing. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I feel like we're covered. She's as doing, a, yeah, as she's a doing, yeah, care. yeah, exactly. You're balancing. She's got out. it. I'll give her. I'll do. Um, I'll I'll give them money. I'll give her organization money. Yeah. Like we're. I'm we're good. Yeah. 
Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves are growing? What, where, do, where are you going now? I don't mean now, do like mean? after this. I mean, like, what, what do you want to do with your, with your life now? I mean, are you, you got any plans? You just kind of keep going as you're going? No plans. <laughs> None. I got all the plans went out the window. No, I mean, I guess, no, I've got plans. I'm open. I'm open to being flexible. And um, in a way that I never, I think that this, past six months has been fucking wild yeah and obviously and uh i had a lot of plans i've always been a person with like so many plans and i've always been a person who's been able to like sort of not acknowledge where i'm at presently because i'm like but in i'm gonna yeah. be there in yeah, the future yeah. then everything and will that be was great like, like once i get there gonna everything's gonna be great everything's gonna be great and I've lived that way for a really long time. And I think that the pandemic and the shutdown was a pretty like rocking experience for me. Um, and even though I've been in therapy forever and I've, you know, like feel like I had done all this work, I realized that like just sitting in the uncertain present was really untenable for me mm -hmm. for so many reasons. And I had to like, fucking face it and yeah, yeah. <laughs> like and think of a different way to be and and a way to like be look around and determine what i am so grateful for and what i can like how i can continue that and what what moving forward even looks like or what it's going to be career-wise but also just like personally and i think it's caused a lot of people to have to have that that thing you know that like evaluation yeah um, cause that we don't stand still yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, 
So we're doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, plug that. So we're doing a podcast, and um, no, uh, so well, you Casey, had a, you had a late night show. I want to talk about uh, that just for, for a second, for a second, just for a second. But I want to talk about it for a second. But I mean, is that something you want to like pursue that more, like something like that, or was it kind of? Like I mean, you dipped into yeah. it, you dipped out. No, I really loved it, and I loved doing it. It was a really really fun, unique show. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. And I feel like I really made something that was uh, for my people, Yeah, you know, and not for anyone else, really. And I think that that's rare, you know. I think so much is made for a very specific audience that um, looks and acts and is sort of the same, but... I mean, in terms of like network television, cable and stuff, but um, I loved it. And I think it was really creatively and and sort of like culturally successful, um, even though it was canceled by the cable network E. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they must be named. I mean, who cares even? What is it? You know, it's all but, uh, it's, it's all silly, you know? Yeah, none of it means anything. Yeah. But uh but I really did. But I really do think that representation means something. And yes. I really do think diversity of voices means something. And I don't even know if I'm like that person. You know what I mean? I'm not. You tried. Again, you tried. I'm just really, a white. I'm just a white lady. Yeah, but you tried yeah. really hard with that show specifically, and it didn't yeah. go unnoticed. You know, and I do think that that's thank you. That's like the like. What are we going to do about the situation? We have to try. Like that's and yeah. you were. Tr- visibly actually trying you know (laughs) yeah we were and i think we did a really great job and i am really super proud of the show and you know casey and i had a lot of things that we were putting together and and looking to the future of what entertainment is and how it's where it's put out and how it's who it's put out for and all those things and we'd been working for many months putting this pulling this project together and we were actually we had sold the podcast and we're doing the podcast about that and then and we'd recorded like a bunch of stuff and oh then about, the pandemic about the happened. about the talk show going away about about the talk show going away and then the next thing that we were putting together after oh i see like because we both had sort of like a you know like a come to jesus moment where we took stock of the landscape of what TV and streaming and what the future could look like possibly. And we like just came up with this idea. We were working with this media company and we were building this whole thing. And it's like not even worth talking about because it's all gone away yeah, because yeah. of the pandemic. And when that happened and we, and we, and we had sold the podcast as like sort of like following our journey as we were building this thing and we were, excited that we might be able to like announce something at South by Southwest and then like everything stopped, you yeah. know, and the world stopped. Casey and I stopped. I personally stopped. I had, you know, my kids are little. So I have a, I had a kid in first grade yeah. and one in fifth grade and we had to finish their school year. And I just was like, I can't, I can't even focus on what this is. So or what it could be or how we even salvage or whatever. So yeah. we just kind of like scrapped it. And then a couple months in June, I guess, a few months later, our podcast was supposed to launch, I think, in March, March, April, April, maybe mm-hmm. April. And uh, 
we scrapped the whole thing. And then in June, I was like, why don't we just like lean into this moment? I don't know what exactly it is, but like, let's see if Shantira wants. And she was a writer. Shantira Jackson was a writer mm-hmm. on Busy Tonight. Let's see if Shantira wants to join us. I felt like there were so many conversations that I was having with my friends who were black that were important. And then also just like that their point of view was something that was needed yeah 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 in all in all discussions discussions of pop culture discussions of whatever the fuck yeah uh politics and certainly like you know fast food fast food (laughs) (laughs) everything yeah why not uh clothing um but so Shintiro was like, yeah, I'm down. That would be fun. And we can talk to people about like pivots that their lives have taken and unexpected, you know, sort of derailments in dreams or plans and how it worked out for them. Or maybe it didn't work out for them, but they learned something. And so, yeah, we like it ended up being kind of the best case scenario because I do feel like it's really helpful in this moment right now. So many people are having to deal with. With these pivots, so many people have been furloughed or laid off. So many people have to change careers entirely. Yeah. Like their jobs just don't exist anymore. And, you know, as a country, I think we're facing a real pivot moment. And we can like do one of two things. We can like be fearful and sort of cling to an old bad way that wasn't servicing everyone. Mm -hmm. Or you can like lean into the pivot and say, okay. This is going to be an unknown, but you know what? I'm going to just be enthusiastic and try to help the pivot along yeah, and, yeah. and I hope the uh, hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. I, so that's what happened. And that's, and that, and that's your, <laughs> and the podcast now, and it's called, uh, it's called I'm trying. Is that the, or is that? Sure. Your, yeah. No, it's called busy. Phillips is doing her best. Is doing her best. Yeah. 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 And um, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have it in front of me. Why would you have it in front of you? I By don't the way, know. everything's too difficult, yeah. Andy. And you know me; <laughs> we've known each other a long time. I know, I know. All right, you can just ask me what it is. Well, well, there you go. And it's with uh, Casey Saint Saint Ange and uh, Casey Saint Ange and, and Shantira Jackson. And Shantira Jackson. And we've talked to some really great people. I mean, Rose, my, the Rosie O'Donnell interview is like one of my favorites. That she's like kind of a hero of mine, and she yeah. really. I think was has been put through the ringer in oh boy, so many yeah. different ways publicly. And, you know, she's still is just and she's always just been a person that's wanted to put good into the world. And I I really admire her yeah. um, strength. And anyway, so that was a great conversation. Um, we have a conversation with Amber Ruffin coming up, who got a late night show for yep. Peacock, which yep. is coming out. It's exciting. Um, to, we talked to Michelle Kwan, the yeah. Olympic Figure skater, figure skater who now works in politics, yeah, and works for the Biden Harris campaign. Um, Danny McBride and well, yeah, I've kept you long enough. We both have things to go do. Did Uh, we get? Is that three questions? Did you sure where you came from, where you're going? We talked about Uh that, and now there's the Mm -hmm. what have you learned? That's the third one. That's what you got to answer now. Yeah. Well, I learned that. there is a time for standing still yeah. and there's a time for movement. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh after the big point, the big point of it all statement. <laughs> it's supposed to be very profound and serious. I mean, I don't know how profound that is, but uh, sometimes 
you'll get to a point where you're like, I can't stand still anymore. Yeah. And you're going to have to just figure out a way to move forward. Yeah. It might not be the way you thought. Yeah. But you got to do it. You just have to put one. The the only way you can do it is just one foot in front of the other until until it feels until you figure it out. Sister, I know. I know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, busy. but also, but oh, don't wait, ignore the standing still place because yeah. a lot of things happen in the standing still place where you're able to really confront some shit that you got to confront, and like, that's big. Yeah. If you're a person that's always moving forward and never standing still, you might miss something. Yeah, and that becomes running. You know, that becomes running away. It, 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 yeah. it can be. You know. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. What are you running from? Yeah. Got to figure that out too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, don't be scared, too. That's the other one. Don't be scared. Oh, you can't let fear control yeah, you. Yeah, you're, you're your own friend. So why be scared of you? Get in there. And fear based, around. fear-based decision-making has never benefited anyone. Yeah. Literally in the history of, of the world and mankind. Yeah. We could do the research we haven't, but I guarantee you that fear-based decision-making has never been beneficial. Right. Except in a bear attack. I bet that's not fear-based. I bet that's survival-based. All right. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, I bet I am. All right. Okay. I'll give that to you. Yeah. All right. Well, Busy, thank you so much again for for doing this uh, with me. Andy, thanks for having me. And good luck on everything else. Thanks. All right. I'm going to need it. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) <laughs> All right, and uh, tune in next time uh, for the three questions when I will talk to somebody probably not as interesting, but, you know, what can you do? I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galitza Hayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.